Well, a happy Mother's Day to everybody. I'm the son of Fran, but I'm also blessed to be the son-in-law of Irene. So I want to wish all you in-laws a happy Mother's Day as well. Well, Our scripture this morning comes from 2 Timothy 3, verses 14 through 17. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you've learned it. And how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. This is the word of the Lord for us. So good morning. Welcome. We're so thrilled that you're with us today. One thing that I personally love about Mother's Day is those gestures that children give to let their mom know they care about them. This is the little six-year-old who says, I want to make mommy breakfast in bed. (laughs) And there's part of you that wants to go, I just don't know if that's a good idea, but you go, you know what? Yeah. Or or, or those sweet little notes that children write. Like a little eight-year-old named Angie, she wrote this to her mom on Mother's Day. Dear mother, I'm going to make dinner for you on Mother's Day. It's going to be a surprise. P.S. I hope you like pizza and popcorn. <laughs> or, or Robert, whose card said, I got you a turtle for Mother's Day. I hope you like it better than the snake I got you last year. <laughs> These sincere gifts are far from perfect, and yet I think they demonstrate probably the, the best in terms of We appreciate moms. We genuinely love mothers and are grateful for them. Let me just ask today, where would we be without our mother? Where would we be without our moms? They were our first teachers. They've they've been constant and faithful in our lives. They've taught us so much. Let me share a few things that my mom taught me. She taught me to appreciate a job well done. She said, if you're going to get rowdy, go outside. I just cleaned here. She taught me about religion. You better pray that comes out of the carpet. (laughs) She taught me about time travel. John, if you don't straighten up, I'm going to knock you into next week. (laughs) She taught me about irony. Keep crying and I'll give you something to cry about. She taught me about logic. Because I said so. That's why she taught me about stamina. She said, you are going to sit there until that spinach is gone. (laughs) She taught me about anticipation. Just wait until we get home. (laughs) She taught me about my roots. She said, close the door. You weren't born in a barn. She taught me about wisdom. When you get to be my age, you'll understand. She taught me about justice. One day, you're going to have kids of your own, and I hope they're just like you. (laughs) She taught me about the circle of life. I brought you into this world, and I can take you out of it. (laughs) Uh, Our moms taught us so much. And so I do want to just give a big and giant thank you to our moms. Thank you for all the lessons you've taught us. But here's the thing. Whether you're a mom or not, I'm not, I'm not just going to preach to moms today. We love you. We appreciate you. Thank you. But I'm not just going to preach to moms because here's the reality. Just as a mom has such a huge impact on her children, 
so too each of us can have an impact on others. Each of us has the opportunity. We're inspired by our moms, but then we too want to leave a legacy. And that's just what we're going to talk about today. So I am Donna's son, and I'm thrilled that you've joined us today. I pray that through our time together, your heart grows stronger and your faith grows deeper. So moms make a huge impact in their kids' lives. Most notably, for women of faith, it's on the spiritual development of their children. They, they leave a spiritual legacy. And so today we honor moms. And as I said, we are inspired to be like you. That each and every one of us has that same opportunity to impact others and to leave a legacy. You don't have to be a biological parent in order to do this. Each and every one of us really has a responsibility to the next generation and the ones that are coming up behind us. Whether that's a child here at MCA or a, a kid in your family or a kid in your neighborhood, God wants you to share the knowledge and wisdom that you have. He wants to share your experiences and pour into the lives of others. So this week I officiated the funeral for Lucy Hackman. Many of you know her. She's a dear part of our, our church family. She didn't have any children of her own. And yet, it was clear that she left a legacy, that she impacted so many lives, relatives and non-relatives alike. I'm also thrilled to hear that our high school students are going to be doing ministry this summer by serving a week here at MCA for VBS. <laughs> that, that these are young men and women who have, who have really grasped this joy of training up the next generation. They're young people themselves, and yet they're going to be investing in children and ones even younger. Also, on that topic, registration is open, and so we are just ready for your kids and your grandkids and your neighbor kids. So please get them signed up for VBS. Register them for that tremendous week of ministry. It's June 13 through 17. We are just excited for all God is going to do during that week. Um, it is for preschool for grade five. And so please get your kids registered, bring them out for that tremendous week of VBS. But, but I'm blessed to hear that our own teenagers are going to be serving as part of our VBS team. That they're going to be hands-on with the littlest ones serving. And, and here's the truth. At MCA, we value children. We, we recognize that each life is sacred. We've been created in the image of God. And we value even the littlest ones. And we have a vision as a church to grow young. And what that means is we're not just going to stagnate and we're not just going to get older each year. We're actually going to grow younger each year. Why? Because we're reaching the generations that come after us. Because uh, children and teenagers, they're not the future church, my friends. They are the church. They are part of the church. They are a living, vibrant, active part of the church. And we very much embrace that and welcome that. And don't ever be fearful about little ones making noises or sounds when you're here in the sanctuary. Don't ever wonder if that's annoying or bothering anyone. It's not. We want them here. We're glad to have them here. We like to hear the pitter-patter of little feet and hear little coos and gagas. So you're welcome here. Everyone is welcome here, even the littlest ones. But it just seems that sometimes we become unavailable to the next generation. In fact, the scriptures talk about that in Job chapter 14, where it says, if their children are honored, they don't know it. If their offspring are brought low, they don't see it. They feel but the pain of their own bodies and mourn only for themselves. 
So what that's speaking to is the tendency that we have to be preoccupied with self, to live selfishly and in a self-centered kind of way, where we see nothing but our own problems. We care only for our own interests. Our time and our resources are used exclusively for our purposes. And then, of course, when things are challenging and difficult, when we face trouble, then we feel sorry for ourselves. And so I'd like to encourage each and every one of us today to take our eyes off of ourselves and to look at the needs of others, to, to look at those around us and how we might serve them and help them, particularly looking to those that are coming behind us, those that are younger, that we can actually have, play a, a role in coaching and training and raising up the next generations. Look at the youth and the children of our culture. And how can we serve them and bless them and inspire them and come alongside them during this time? How can we be an influence in their lives? Like Thursday night, Andy Schaefer was part of the, the prayer gathering. There was, there was National Day of Prayer, and there was a public prayer gathering. Our own Andy Schaefer was there. Uh, he was asked to pray for youth and their families. And Andy, I loved, I loved your prayer, and I love your heart. Because... Youth and young people today are faced with a different world than we were. And Andy even pointed out like, like how life demands that they make decisions that they're not always equipped to, to, to make. And so what do they need? They need us. We need each other. And thank the Lord for mothers who pray. <laughs> thank the Lord. How, how many of us wouldn't be here if it weren't for a mom who just persisted in prayer? Thank the Lord for mothers who pray for their children. Listen, no one on earth is ever going to love you, love you like your mom. <laughs> no one on earth. They are selfless. They constantly serve others. It reminds me of a, a father who was looking at his, the wedding album with their four-year-old daughter. And they're enjoying seeing pictures of the, the wedding dress and the ceremony. And he's explaining to her all of what happened. And the little four-year-old asks a question. And she says, oh, daddy, is that when mommy came to work for us? <laughs> I won't tell you how he responded to that. <laughs> uh, in the Bible, the young Timothy was greatly impacted by his mother and his grandmother. His mother was Eunice, his grandmother was Lois, and, and these two women get credit for raising and instilling faith in and inspiring one of the most powerful New Testament leaders. They passed on to him their faith, and they in doing so, left a legacy. So uh, John Mast read for us that scripture a few minutes ago. If you've got your Bibles, I do want to turn there. We're going to spend quite a bit of time in those verses today. It's in 2 Timothy chapter 3, where Paul is saying to this younger pastor, Timothy, and starting at verse 14, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, and then take note of this next phrase, because you know those from whom you learned it. Your mom, that one who loves you like no one else on earth is ever going to love you. That one who doesn't have an ulterior motive or agenda, but whose love is very pure and only wants what's best for you. Paul says to Timothy, remember what you've learned. Why? Because you know 
those that you learned it from, your mom and your grandma, those great women of faith, those godly women who instilled these virtues and values and scriptures in you. So then he says in verse 15, and how from infancy you've known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. He says, all scripture is God breathed. It's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So here's what I'd like to do with the rest of our time together uh, this morning. We're honoring moms. It's Mother's Day, and we know they, they leave a legacy. But as we consider how we might also leave a legacy, how we might impact the next generation, I'd like to share three things that the next generation needs. Three needs that the next generation has. The first is that the next generation needs wisdom. The springtime of life, those earliest years, are a time where you've got a tremendous amount of energy (laughs) and spunk, right? It's a season of life where you've got ideas, you've got ambition, you've got dreams, you've got stamina. What you lack is wisdom. And yes, with, with time and age and experience, you certainly gain some insights. You certainly gain some, some, a certain amount of wisdom, right? As you walk through life, you learn and you grow. What, what I'm really talking about here is biblical wisdom. What, what I'm really talking about is a grasp on the gospel and the truth of God and God's word in a way that is applied to your life. You see, when you firmly grasp a biblical wisdom and a truth and knowledge of who Jesus is as a living Savior and Redeemer and Lord of your life, then it impacts every time you face a challenge. It guides you when you come up against obstacles and hurdles and struggles. When you're at a a crossroads and you need to make a decision, wisdom helps to guide you. That's the kind of wisdom I'm talking about. Did you notice that Paul mentions this? If you look again there, verse 15, he mentions the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise. The holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise. Sometimes moms give us that biblical wisdom, but I'm not just talking about worldly wisdom where you learn how to navigate people and things. What I'm talking about is the, the wisdom and the knowledge of salvation. Verse 15, he says this, the Holy Scriptures are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. It is the Scriptures that make us wise. It is knowledge of God and knowledge of God's Word. And friends, listen, we need to have a hunger and a thirst for the Word of God. It is nourishment for our soul. The the Scriptures tell us we don't live on bread alone but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And here's what Proverbs 16, 16 says. It is much better to have wisdom and knowledge than gold and silver. And I want to camp out here for just a few minutes. It is better, the scriptures tell us, to have wisdom. And again, we just saw a definition of wisdom from 2 Timothy 3 and verse 15. The scriptures that make us wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. And, and the wisdom of the Proverbs tell us it's much better to have wisdom and knowledge than gold and silver. That means, listen to me, there are things more valuable than money. That means that it's better to be spiritually smart and have a vibrant faith and relationship with God than it means to have a robust bank account 
or material possessions. Friends, we need wisdom. The next generation needs wisdom. And this is something that's got to be settled in our own minds if we have any hope or chance of passing it along to anyone who comes behind us. Like the traveler who was between flights at the airport. It was a woman, and she went into uh, one of the shops there. She bought a little package of cookies. She sat down waiting for her flight. She opens her newspaper, and she begins reading. And all of a sudden, she hears some rustling. And to her surprise, she looks up to see a man who has opened the package of cookies and is eating one. He's sitting there next to her, and she is just flabbergasted. She doesn't really want to make a scene, but she, you know, she makes it clear by reaching over and getting a cookie herself. So a minute or two passes, more rustling, the man helping himself even more to her cookies. They actually, they got to the end of the package of cookies. And she notices, he takes the last cookie, this is like adding insult to injury, he breaks it in two and slides half to her and he eats the other half. And then the man gets up and, and walks away. So she's still, you know, upset. She's angry. She's surprised that this has happened to her. She's waiting for her flight, and her name is called, her flight is called. So she opens her purse to get her boarding pass, and there is her unopened package of cookies. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> You're like, whose cookies were those? Who was the cookie thief? <laughs> It just seems like from about the age of two on, we're always obsessed with whose cookies are those? Are those mine or are those yours? Well, the scriptures really help us here. They make it, the, the Bible makes this very clear in Psalm 24 and verse 1 that says, The earth belongs to the Lord and everything in it, the world and all its people. So it belongs to God. Anytime the question is asked, whose cookies are they? The answer is they're God's cookies. <laughs> that is God's house. Those are God's clothes. That's God's car. These are, these are God's bodies. He, he owns us. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Everything belongs to the Lord. So listen, we need to not only teach this to the next generation, but we need to model it ourselves. And let me just say this. When someone is driven to just make money, it's pretty easy to spot. When that's your drive and that's your ambition and that's what you're about, it's pretty easy to see. You don't even, you don't even fool young people. They know who truly worships the almighty dollar. And so you don't have a chance of, of passing on this wisdom to those that come after you until it's settled in your own heart and mind, until you're modeling this yourself. You cannot just tell the people coming after you, oh, worship God, everything belongs to God, when you yourself demonstrate that what you're truly worshiping is the almighty dollar. So how do we get the next generation to see this, this truth that wisdom is more valuable than gold? Wisdom is more valuable than any material possessions. Well, we teach them from a very young age to see themselves as stewards. That, that is, God, God has entrusted things to them, and so they are just managers of the things that truly belong to God. We teach them the joy of generosity, that it is better to give than to receive. And, and that, that the things that make a person truly rich, oh, they can't be counted. 
The things that truly make you rich. No, they're not visible, tangible. They're spiritual. They're the gifts of God. So that's what we need to teach the next generation. Teach them not to worry about whose cookies they are. But to say, those are God's cookies. (laughs) And I'm going to be generous. Listen, the next generation needs to know more how to live than they do how to make a living. And so we've got to get that right as we long to teach them wisdom. And we do that, listen, it's not just by trying harder or being better. We do that by submitting our own lives to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And of, and of following in his footsteps. What would Jesus do in this situation? That's what I'm going to do. I want to be like Jesus. I want to follow Jesus and do things his way. Listen, I want to invite you to come back next week and the weeks beyond because we're starting a brand new sermon series I'm really excited about. It's through the book of Mark in the New Testament. We're calling it Remarkable. <laughs> it's a nine-week series where we're, we're just going to study and learn about the life and the ministry and the teaching of Jesus. And we're going to specifically see, we're going to be challenged with just how remarkable our Savior is. So I really hope you can join us for that. It's our summer series studying through the book of Mark, starting next Sunday. But this morning, we are talking about how do you leave a legacy? And what are the needs of this next generation? So we've talked about the need for wisdom. The next one is character. And no, I'm not saying today's young people are morally inferior to any generation that has come before them. No, absolutely not. What I'm saying is that each and every person needs to be trained in kingdom living. That's what I'm saying is each and every one of us needs to develop character. So yes, we've got to grow in our understanding of Scripture, but we've also got to grow in our application of it. So we see this in verse 16. We're in 2 Timothy chapter 3, where where Paul says, All Scripture is God-breathed, and it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Developing character. Character is the substance of a person. It describes your ethics. And your integrity. It's learning how to be the right kind of person. It's learning how to do the right thing. It's it's when you have character, you know who you are in Christ. And that's the way that you are. Like if you don't have character, I guess I could put I could put it in the in the opposite. When you don't have character, well you're one you act one way when you're with a certain group of people. And then you act another way when you're with another group of people. Character is God has formed in you habits and training in righteousness. Not that we're perfect, not that we please God, but we learn and we grow. And each and every one of us need this. Again, so this is a need that the next generation has, but it's a need for you and I as well. And as we learn and grow in these things, then we can teach others these same things. So that when you hit your thumb with the hammer, you don't use a four-letter word that curls the wallpaper. Maybe you say, supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. It's character. Here's what Paul says in Ephesians 4. He says, be made new in the attitude of your minds. And put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness 
and holiness. And the, the way we get there is we reach the end of ourselves. We say, I can't do it any longer, Lord, on my own strength and my own power. I'm not good enough. I've tried to be good. I've, I've tried to do the right thing. The way we reach this point is where we say, I confess that I need Jesus. That I'm desperate for God in my life. Where we confess the wrong we've done. We ask for forgiveness of our sins. And he restores us. He fills us with his Holy Spirit. He sets us on the path of salvation, the path of life. Not because we've done anything other than cry out to him. So listen, as I'm talking about character this morning, I'm not just saying like, like you can do it, be a better person, you know, do the self-help stuff. What I'm saying is it happens when you confess your need for Christ. And you say, take control. And the, and the language in the New Testament is that of servant and master. And so this kind of character only happens when you make the decision, you, and you make it for yourself. I'm not the master, Jesus is. I'm the servant, and I'm going to serve Jesus, and I'm going to serve others. You see, that's character. That's what happens in the life of someone who knows the salvation that comes only by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what we want to encourage in the generations that come behind us. That sort of surrendered living to Jesus, that sort of character. And we all need people in our lives who are going to help push us and develop that kind of character. Like the husband and wife who were on vacation in Florida. They wanted to do the whole uh, airboats through the swamp thing. Have any of you guys ever done that? Okay, well, you get on an airboat and you go through the swamps. And it's cool. And so they, they did that whole Florida thing. And then, and then they went to a gator farm. And so there are just all these, all these gators and there are all these tourists that are just uh, amazed at them. And the, and the tour guide go, goes through his usual shtick and he goes, well, if any of you are brave enough to swim, uh, swim across to the other shore, you win a million dollars. Well, this husband and wife were on the trip. All of a sudden there's a splash. The husband is in the water. He's swimming frantically through gator infested water. And, and against all odds, he makes it through and he climbs up dripping wet and gasping for air on the other side. So the, the tour guide, is, he's never seen this before. He's like, no one has ever done that before. Like, I can't believe, how did you manage to make it through? And the guy's just still just, he's bent over, he's gasping for breath, and he goes, who pushed me in? <laughs> and his wife just gets out of sort of a sly smile on her face, and she says, never mind about that. Now, how do we get the money? <laughs> we need women who will push us to develop character. Don't get any ideas, though, on your trip to the Florida swamps. Praise the Lord for women who help us to develop character. And I am inspired to do the same thing to the people that God gives me influence over. Okay, one more thing that the next generation needs. We've talked about wisdom. We've talked about character. The next is conviction. Conviction. This is when following Jesus is not easy. This is when God's word is clear. This is what you should do. This is the way to honor God. But you know that in so doing, you're going to draw attention to yourself. You're going to stand out. You're potentially going to be made fun of. You are going to be different. But we saw here in, in verse 17, 2 Timothy 3, it gives us the end result of being trained in righteousness. It's so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work, not just when it's easy, 
Not just when there's no one around to poke fun of it. But we will be thoroughly equipped for every good work in every situation. That's conviction. Doing the right thing. For many of us, we've had godly mothers who've demonstrated that for us. Selfless, sacrificial, time and time again. There was a junior high science teacher who was teaching on the properties of magnets. He he spent an entire class period teaching his young students about magnets. So the next day, he did a little pop quiz for them. My name begins with an M, has six letters, and I pick things up. What am I? Half the class wrote mother. So listen, I think one of the best ways for us to celebrate Mother's Day is to recognize that moms have made a significant impact on us spiritually. To say, Mom, you loved Jesus. Mom, you studied the scriptures and I saw that. Mom, you prayed for me and you didn't give up on me. I think it's also that we're inspired to be like that. Again, this is a message for for each and every one of us, young and old, boys and girls, men and women. That that we're inspired to be like those moms, that, that we too want to leave a legacy. And so I guess my question for us as we close is, what legacy are you leaving? The the people that are watching your life, the people that are going to emulate you, what are the habits? What are the characteristics? Is it that drive for money? Is it that materialism that's really, really easy to spot? Or is it, I'm a steward of that which God has entrusted. I don't care whose cookies they are because I know they're God's cookies. I'm convicted and I'm challenged and I'm inspired today to live out Deuteronomy 6. And it says to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And this is what Moses told the people in that passage. He said, these commands that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. He says, impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. You influence more people than you realize. Not just your children, your coworkers, your neighbors, the people you pass when you drive to work the people that are part of your same core group, the people that are part of your church family here at MCA, you have more influence than you realize. Will you leave a legacy that instills wisdom and develops character and inspires true conviction even in the face of being mocked when following Jesus is not easy? So each and every one of us can play a part in that. Every one of us. Will we have a vision for the generations that come behind us to raise them up, to be men and women who know the scriptures, who value the things that can't be counted, and who are on mission for God? We've got to keep the gospel at the center of our lives to do that. We've got to go each and every day before God's throne of grace asking him for his help, his guidance, and for strength. We've got to allow him lordship of our lives. Where we say, I'm not the master of my life, but Jesus, you are the master. We, we, we need to humbly admit our own faults 
and then just time and time and time and time again fall before God's throne of grace. Because listen, moms, we know you're not perfect. We're not trying to pretend on Mother's Day that you never make a mistake and you never have a sinful thought or action or attitude. No, we know you're not perfect. Here's what we know. God is using you in mighty ways. And so if I could speak to mothers this morning, I would say this. Don't give up. Press on. Keep doing those things. Keep it up. Raise those children who love Jesus. Pray for them. Even the wayward child. Continue persevering in prayer, trusting that the gospel instilled in them is what they will return to, like the prodigal son coming back to the heart of the father. Persist in those things. Pour out your life for others. Invest in the next generation. Why? Because in so doing, you are building the kingdom of God. So thank you. You are an inspiration. And we want to be like you by leaving a legacy. So let's pray together this morning. Oh, good and gracious, loving, merciful, compassionate, heavenly Father, that we can come before you and submit our prayers to you is extraordinary. We do so, Lord, covered by the shed blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we come boldly before your throne because we know of your goodness and your compassion and your grace. And so, Lord, today is an opportunity for us to confess that we've made mistakes. We've chased after the things of the world that are bright and shiny. And yet, Lord, we want to submit to you as master. We recognize nothing belongs to us, God. It all belongs to you. And so thank you for the things that you've entrusted to us. May we be good stewards with that, including our influence. Our children and our grandchildren and our neighbor kids and the kids in our church. Lord, help us to be faithful in raising up the next generation. They need wisdom. They are faced with decisions every day. They're not equipped to make, Lord. They're growing up in a culture that's so far from you, that only lures them away from you. Lord, they need character to be trained in righteousness, to develop habits that that look very different from the world. And they need conviction to operate by the power of the Holy Spirit, even when it's not easy. And so, Lord, we're not capable of those things, but we know you are. So we pray today for young people, for our children and youth. Guide them and protect them, we pray. Thank you for mothers. Thank you for all that they do to serve, to guide, to nurture, even from the the youngest, most tender age. We celebrate them today, and we thank you for them. We pray all of this in the name of Jesus.